Good evening. My name is Anthony Stander and I pastor a church called Living Waters Community Fellowship in Cape Town in Tableview on a Sunday at 9 o'clock um, between 9 and 10 and we start and if you've got nowhere to go you can join us at Lilliput Primary. So I just welcome to you tonight and I want to share a sermon with you on called Love One Another. And I trust that this will really speak to your hearts. And I just want to open in prayer. Father God, I thank you in the name of Jesus that we can gather in your name. I pray that every heart will hear your word, Lord. It will be obedient to your word and that will change our lives, Lord. In Jesus' name I ask us. Thank you, Lord. Love one another. John 15 verse 12. This is my commandment, Jesus said, that you love one another as I have loved you. Jean Ortiz led a church in Buenos Aires, Argentina, and wrote a book called Disciple. At one point, he realized his church was educated beyond their experience. Isn't that the case today with many churches? They knew a lot more than they were putting into practice. Many of them were getting two or three sermons a week, plus Bible studies in homes. And before they had time to digest and apply one message, they were getting another he decided it was time for a change. So one day he stood up to preach, opened his Bible and read these words of Jesus, love one another. Then he sat down. He didn't say anything else, he just sat down. The congregation sat there waiting. So Ortiz got up and said again, love one another and sat down. Now the congregation began to stir nervously. When was the pastor going to preach? So Ortiz got up a third time and said, love one another, and sat down again. The man on the first row leaned over to the man next to him and said, I think the pastor wants us to love one another. Then he asked him, is there anything I can do for you? When his neighbor admitted he was having some financial difficulty, the first man opened his wallet and said, let me help you. Soon all across the auditorium, people were talking, laughing, praying, crying and giving. They were loving one another. For the next six months, Ortiz preached on one theme, love one another. Sometimes the messages were biblical teaching on how to love, but other times they just practiced loving one another for six months. Love one another until not only they knew it, but they were doing it. We live in an age where the love of many has grown cold, fulfilling the scriptures in Matthew 24 verse 12. And because iniquity shall abound, wickedness shall abound, the love of many shall grow cold. 2 Timothy 3.1 says this. Paul says, For know this also, that in the last days perilous times shall come, dangerous times. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Are men not lovers of their own selves today? It's all about selfies and cell phones and things like that. They shall be covetous, desiring to have things, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. I don't think I've ever seen more kids so disobedient to parents than in this age. Unthankful. We have a, you know, in our church itself, we see that there's just such a lack of thankfulness. We often comment on it. You know, we're really surprised. You know, we help people for a year or two, then they'll just walk out the church, never uh, say goodbye properly. They're just gone. We see such an unthankfulness in people's hearts today. Unholy. Morally or spiritually excellent, we don't see a lot of that today in the fellowships. People that are morally and spiritually excellent. 
Verse 3, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors. I don't think ever before in our lives have we seen so many traitors now within the faith. It's like, you know, you're constantly pulling knives out of, your, out of our own backs from people that we consider our friends. That's how it's been going. Heady, high-minded. Everybody knows everything. You know what I mean? You can't tell anybody anything anymore. Lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Is that not so? Everybody's so consumed by TV games, things like that, that we're so consumed with lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. The scripture is speaking to the Christian church, not to the unbeliever, because that's how the unbelievers are normally. But in the last days, Paul warns us that in the church, people are going to be like that. Many have been preached a false gospel and been disappointed when all the promises that are made to them have not materialized. You know, you can't just blame the people. They've just been so disillusioned sometimes with what they're hearing. What is wrong with the church today? Why do we not see so many true miracles anymore? I believe it because we have not obeyed our Lord Jesus Christ when he said in John 15 verse 17, These things I command you that you love one another. Notice Jesus says, I command you to love one another. It's not an option. It's not a decision that we have to make. Us as Christians have to love one another. We have to go out of our way to love another, one another. We have to make an effort to love one another. We have to purpose in our hearts to love and care for one another. And we have to lay down our lives for one another. An illustration of this is, you can see them alongside the shuffle courts in Florida or in the porches of the old folks' homes up north. An old man with snow white hair, a little hard of hearing, reading the newspaper through a magnifying glass, an old woman in a shapeless dress, her knuckles gnarled by arthritis, wearing sandals to ease her aching arches. They are holding hands, and in a little while, they'll tot off to take a nap, and then she will cook a supper, not a very good supper, and they'll watch television, each knowing exactly what the other is thinking until it is time for bed. They may even have a good soul-stirring argument just to prove that they still really care. And through the night they will snore unabashedly, each resting content because the other is there. They are in love. They have always been in love, although sometimes they would have denied it. And because they've been in love, they survived everything that love could, that life could throw at it, even their own failures. Today we see many Christian marriages are in trouble, fighting and bickering amongst themselves. You know, when couples come to the church with a false smile and a forced grin, and don't even sit together and they smile at everyone and say, we're so happy we can die. It becomes a terrible testimony to the children, to their own children, who often can't wait to get into the world to escape so-called Christianity. The relationships in the church are often strained and there's unforgiveness and hatred with bitterness. I think most church kids who grew up in the church are so damaged from seeing Christians betray one another that some leave the faith and we are often so false that the world sees our hypocrisy and wild horses would not drag them into church. But in John 13, 35, Jesus said, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. 
not how much of the Bible that you can quote, not how many times you go to church or cell group, not how many times you do great deeds, how much you love one another. That's going to be the sign that we are his disciples. We have lost our highest calling to love and care for one another. We're so easily offended by people, how they dress or talk or eat or because they're so needy. I kid you not. We've heard that in our churches. We have not understood that people are damaged in this world and everyone around has been badly hurt in this world or has come through hell to find the grace of Jesus Christ. The whole world is hurting and hurt people hurt other people. We've got to understand that as Christians, what we are dealing with. People come to a hospital. Church should be like a hospital, helping people find healing and being born again and changing their lives. We judge people around us, even as we sit in church today, and there are people struggling. Maybe someone sitting right next to you is hurting. A woman whose husband has left her alone with her children. She's scared and frightened for the future. A person whose spouse is a drunkard. A person whose spouse or child is a drug addict. Many people that struggle to find enough money to support themselves every month. A husband whose wife has just left him for no good reason and broken his heart. A woman whose husband is a nightmare and she sometimes fears for her own safety. A person who feels they have no future and life terrifies them. A woman who has a medical problem that is terrifying her and does not know if she'll be ever able to afford the operation. Women whose husbands don't come to church. People whose lives are in a shambles and a person who often cries himself to sleep at night. And those are just some of the hurting people sitting around you in your church and all of our churches today. All around you. And you know, we get angry at them because they don't greet us. Some of them are in such pain they can't even see. They just got to church. They just managed to get here. And we're so offended because someone didn't say hello when we said hello back then. We're like children. We've got to grow up. John 13.35 said, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. Why don't we go to that person who didn't greet us and say, Hi, can I pray for you? I see you're going through a really hard time. You know what I mean? Can I, can I ask the Lord to help you? Can I stand with you in prayer over something? Why not show the love of Christ to one another? People will beat down the door of a church where, where people love one another. Who doesn't want to be part of a church like that? Should we not bear one another's burdens, even if it means laying down our lives? John 15, 3. Greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. We are to be doers of the word, not hearers only. Love is a verb, a doing word. We love not by what we say. We love by self-sacrificial deeds that cost us something. It costs us our time and money and, if necessary, our life. Deeds show our love. Giving up a Saturday when we want to do something on our own and spend the day on ourselves. We know someone's really hurting and we go spend the day with them. That's dying to ourselves. That's dying for, for Christ, giving up things for Christ. You know, giving up our time and our lives. Newspa uh, newspaper columnist and minister George Crane tells of a wife who came to his office full of hatred towards her husband. I do not only want to get rid of him, I want to get even, she said. Before I divorce him, I want to hurt him as much as he has me. Dr. Crane suggested an ingenious plan. 
Go home and act as if you really love your husband. Tell him how much he means to you. Praise him for every decent trait. Go out of your way to be as kind, considerate and generous as possible. Spare no efforts to please him, to enjoy him. Make him believe you love him. And after you've convinced him of your undying love and that you cannot live without him, then drop the bomb. Tell him you're getting a divorce. That'll really hurt him. With revenge in her eyes, she smiled and exclaimed, Beautiful, beautiful, will he ever be surprised. And she did it with enthusiasm, acting as if. For two months she showed love, kindness, listening, giving, reinforcing, sharing. And when she didn't return, Crane called. Are you now ready to go through with the divorce, he asked her. Divorce, she exclaimed. Never. I've discovered I really do love him. Her actions had changed her feelings. Motion resulted in emotion. The ability to love is established not so much by firm promise as often by repeated deeds. Love is going out of our way to make contact with those around us instead of just a hello. Rather, how are you really doing? What can I pray for you? How is your job and wife or how are your children? If we see people are struggling, we can phone them in the week. Maybe fast if necessary. Go see them on our own time. And maybe then we'll understand the scripture in Galatians 6 verse 2. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Carry, put that burden on you. Take that, carry it every day and night in your own heart. Pray for them. Weep for them. Ask God to help them. You know what I mean? Feel the burdens as often as they feel it. Whose burdens are you bearing in your church? I'm not talking about family, uh, you know, families loving their own families. Even the heathen love their own families. Even the worst of men love their own families. I'm talking about other Christians in church. If you struggle to love people, then you need to spend time alone with God. 1 John 4, 8, He that loves not, knows not God, for God is love. I was a man without love in my life, a lost soul who did not believe in love. I got saved because of truth. I believed Jesus was who he said he was. That's all I could do. That love was not a fact in my life. And it took many years before I even felt real love for God and man. But I heard about God's love and was determined to learn about it. So I set time every day to seek God and to feel this love. And the scripture says in Luke 11 verse 9, I say unto you, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asks receives and he that seeks finds and to him that knocks it shall be opened. We've got to knock. We've got to go for it. We've got to read God's word. We've got to confess to him our problems with love. We've got to talk to him that we don't like the other human race or that we love animals more than humans. I've heard that a couple of times and I think I've said that in my life before I was a Christian. You know what I mean? We've got to learn to love humans. We've got to see them as God sees them. We've got to see how important they are to God, that God has only made one copy of every human being. Everyone has their own fingerprint, eye print, tongue print, and in many other ways are completely individual. God makes one copy, and if they're lost, they're lost to God for eternity. They are the most precious treasures of God. God can make more gold, more silver, but he only makes one copy of every human. And so it is 
God's greatest treasure for us to bring souls to him. The first step we must come from, we must enter into the Holy of Holies. We must seek till we find, and I think most older Christians can tell you that when you do your best to go deeper with God, you will find him. It might not happen on the first day, first week, two weeks. It's ourselves that are stopping us from finding God. But I want to tell you, as you push in, you will find the love of Christ and it will overwhelm you, change you and transform you. In finding the love of Christ late in his life, uh, St. Augustine wrote, you know, that he was to be the lawyer of Caesar. He was doing so well in his life, you know, but he found Christ and, and he found that love that we're talking about. And he wrote, Late have I loved you, this beautiful poem. Late have I loved you, beauty so old and so new. Late have I loved you, and see you were within and I was in the external world and sought you there. And in my unlovely state, state, I plunged into those lovely created things which you made. You were with me, and I was not with you. The lovely things kept me far from you. Though if they did not have their existence in you, they had no existence at all. You called and cried out loud and shattered my deafness. You were radiant and resplendent. You put to flight my blindness. You were fragrant and I drew in my breath and I pant after you. I tasted you and I feel but hunger and thirst for you. You touched me and I'm set on fire to attain the peace which is yours. Now I know only a man that knows the Lord Jesus Christ and has found him in prayer and in seeking him in his word could write such words. You know the Lord is like that. There's a love which knows no bounds and it is found in your prayer chamber alone with Christ. After finding Jesus Christ in my own prayer chamber, I started to feel the love of God grow in my heart till it has become an all-consuming fire in my soul. And that also happens to all those that have sought to enter deeper into the things of God, have gone further and further into the things of God. You cannot just scratch the surface. You cannot stay in the outer chambers of the temple or the inner chamber. You need to go into the holy place, into the inner sanctum of Christ. You've got to be brave enough, bold enough and truthful enough to go in there and be honest with God in your heart and your soul and pour out your love to Christ in that chamber. I now understand a little bit of the scriptures in Song of Solomon 8 verse 6, which says, Set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm. For love is as strong as death. Jealousy is cruel as the grave. And the coals there are are coals of fire, which has a most vehement flame. Verse 7, Many waters cannot quench love, neither can the floods drown it. If a man would give all the substance of his hearths for love, he would consider it condemned. He'd consider it nothing. He'd give it. If we could love like that, and we can through Christ. This is not earthly love. It's not a worldly love that breaks. It's not eros love, erotic love between a man and woman. We have seen that break so many times. We've seen filial love, family love break so many times. This is God's love. It's utterly unquenchable and unbreakable. And we need to learn to love like that because if we love God like that, we will love people like that and the world like that. Learning to love Christ the Father and the Holy Spirit will become so strong as you enter the depths of God. The scripture is from a woman to a bride or from the bride, the body of Christ, to Jesus Christ himself. It is a declaration of true love. When you love like that, your love 
or become unbreakable. Firstly, true love is possessive. The woman said, set me as a seal upon your heart and as a seal upon your arm. In biblical times, a seal was often a ring worn on the finger. Hot wax was placed on a document and then the seal on the ring was stamped on the wax. It showed everyone who was the owner of the document. Interestingly, the woman did not ask for a ring to be put on her husband's arm and finger. Instead, she asked him to take herself into his very heart and make her the seal of his love. In other words, she said, I'm giving myself to you as a sign of my love for you. I will be your possession. Isn't that what happens in true love? True love always gives oneself away so as to be possessed by the other person. Secondly, true love is permanent. She continued in verse 8, eight verse 6, the second part. For love is as strong as death. Jealousy is fierce as the grave. The word jealousy can also mean passion. And what is being said that true love lasts until death. Passion for her lover will last until the grave and there will be no other ever. Thirdly, true love is powerful in 8.6c. The last part of the verse of 6 says, It's flashes of flashes of fire, the very flame of the Lord. Love is described like a burning, hot, powerful fire. Fourthly, true love is persevering. Many waters cannot quench love, neither can floods drown it. Chris Messick wrote a poem titled, For You Are The One. One young man sent the first two stanzas of the poem to his girlfriend, and it says, For you I would climb the highest mountain peak, swim the deepest ocean. Your love I do seek. For you I would cross the rivers most wide, walk the hottest desert sand to have you by my side. Then he ended a postscript. He wrote, P.S. I'll be over Saturday night if it doesn't rain. Aren't we like that? We promise love, but we are very easy or quick to give up when things get heavy or things are difficult. But if we learn to love Christ, you will have that unbreakable love that will see you through all kinds of situations to the end. The woman said in Song of Solomon that true love is so persevering that nothing can crush it no matter how threatening circumstances around her may seem. There is nothing that can defeat true love. True love perseveres regardless of the circumstances. Number five, true love is precious. The last pass of verse seven says, If a man offered for love all the wealth of his house, he would, it would utterly be despised. Sex can be bought, but true love can never be bought. True love is precious. It's more costly than anything we own. And it's always given. True love is possessive, permanent, powerful, persevering and precious. The time, this true story is told from the time of Oliver Cromwell in England. A young soldier had been tried in military court and sentenced to death. You know, in Oliver Cromwell's model army, they were very, uh, you know, uh, discipline was heavy. They weren't allowed to pillage, rape, steal, at, at, you know, at the pain of death. So he must have committed something very serious to have been arrested and sentenced to death. He was to be shot at the ringing of the curfew bell. Those huge church bells that are in the churches, you know, those huge uh, made out of brass. and It used to have a clapper, a giant clapper that used to hit that bell to make the sound. This soldier's fiancé climbed up into the bell tower several hours before curfew time 
and tied herself to the bell's huge clapper, to this big instrument that made that huge sound on the bell. At curfew time, when only muted sounds came out of the bell tower, Cromwell demanded to know why the bell was not ringing. His soldiers went to investigate and found the young woman cut and bleeding and broken from being knocked back and forth against the great bell. They carried her down, and the story goes Cromwell was so impressed with her willingness to suffer in this way on the behalf of someone she loved that he dismissed the soldier, saying, Curfew shall not ring tonight's. Is that not what Jesus did for us? He stood in the way of God's great wrath and was beaten and broken in our place so that we might be saved. He stood in the way for us. Song of Solomon again from verse 8, 6 and 7. Set me as a seal upon your heart and as a seal upon your arm. For love is as strong as death, jealousy is cruel as the grave. The coals there are are coals of fire which has a most vehement flame. Many waters cannot quench love, neither can the floods drown it. If a man would give all the substance of his house for love, it would be utterly condemned. If we learn to love God like that, then we can love man and show a broken world what the love of God looks like here on earth. We must stop holding people to account for the, you know, for the little things that they have wrong in their personalities. They were products of their past. We are all products of their past. You can't judge that man for a terrible temper unless you've walked in his shoes. You don't know what he went through when he was young. You don't know what he's come through and the loads he's had to carry. We've got to learn to overlook these little differences in us and the difficulties that some people still have. You know what? They came to church. They came to look for Christ and they're still battling with their problems. We need to learn to love them past that and see them as God sees them way down the line. So if we learn to love, we can love man and show the broken world what the love of God looks like on earth. Love God, love man, love the word, and you'll be transformed into a vessel of grace, meet for the Father's use in his service. Love ferociously, without caring if we get hurt or betrayed. Embrace it. Christ did. For such a love is God's love, and it's the highest love. It is sacrificial love, and the world through that love will come to know Christ and the God of heaven who is love. Amen. I want to pray for you guys. Maybe you've been hurt terribly in your life and maybe you're struggling to find that love. I want to pray for you now. Lord, I pray for everyone that's listening tonight to this broadcast, Lord, that you would heal their wounded hearts, Lord, and that they would set their eyes upon you as an example of how to behave when we are betrayed, denied, hurt, beaten, whipped, Lord, you showed us how to give good back when people were doing evil to you, Lord. Lord, show us how to be those people. I pray for everyone that's got a wounded heart and soul tonight. God will heal you, that you would allow the Lord to come into that secret place that maybe you are keeping from the Lord. Open that box. Let the Lord enter in there and heal you. And be whole in Jesus' name. Thank you for the message tonight. It's been a pleasure talking to you guys and may you love ferociously out there in Jesus' name. Amen.